Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Alan, I'm doing good, buddy. Uh, we've had, gosh, quite a few weeks of celebration lately. Uh, we've been here for over a year now. Absolutely. Yeah, we had our anniversary back on November 3rd. Yeah. And during the month of November, principally, and here and for the first couple of weeks of December, we're trying to do a little bit of extra uh, production to help celebrate our one-year anniversary. We're well over 60. I don't know, almost 65,000 downloads now. And yep. we get quite a bit of interaction with our with our fans. And uh, we've had a ton of guests be able to join us on the show in these in this first three seasons of coverage, our first year of our show. And uh, so far, so good. Yeah. Would yeah. you say? I can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as a part of this celebration, we're going to do a season three recap here today. Yep. And I thought, Mark, and I, I've, I, this is going to be a little bit of a surprise for you, mm. um, but I thought I would kick us off today with a promo that they put out, the cast put out, not quite officially through NBC. They did it on Funny or Die back when, if you remember, season three didn't start until basically in the second half of the TV calendar year. It was early January, I think, something like that. Right. Well, you know, to appease fans and let them know that they were were officially coming back. Mm -hmm. They aired this little bit, and I won't talk any more about it. I'm just going to play it. All right. Constantine, hit the bright red button. What's what's going on? You didn't hear? We're coming back on the air January 20th. Yeah! believe it? Wait a minute. You mean we haven't been on TV? Yeah, we were off the air for a couple months, but now we're back! Yes. You knew that, right? No, I did not know that. How long have I not been on television? Rob, this is good news. What is good news? That this hasn't been on TV for five months? <laughs> Great. Now I'm out of coffee. You, production assistant, look me in the face. Get to Pete's coffee and get me a new coffee. I'm on the show. You are not. Yeah, I am. I Since when? <laughs> Since the beginning. I was on it before you. You weren't. No one's been on the show before me. There wasn't a f***ing show before me. I am Robert Basifius Lowe. You are? <laughs> and you. What have you ever done other than not be on television for five f***ing months? I was on Saturday Night Live for a little bit. Well, I hosted! Then <laughs> I'd just play paddle tennis with Lauren Michaels and Diane Sawyer, and I'd be both those motherfuckers. <laughs> and I own f***ing <laughs> Miramax! <laughs> So put that information up your asshole. No. All of you. Get the out. Get out! What? Get out of my house! You don't live here. Get the out! <laughs> Catch the new season of Parks and Recreation coming this January 20th on NBC. <laughs> right after the office. Uh, so you've never seen that before? You're gonna have to give me a moment. <laughs> what did? What did? What did? I, I, just, I just, I gotta, I gotta stand up and walk around the room for a second. I know. What? What did I just? That is brilliant and crazy and awful and horrible, uh, and I want to see it again. And what did I just see? Explain yourself. <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, I, I was so thrilled once I finally saw that. I, I'd heard about it on social media a couple of years ago and never really caught up with it. And then when we started season three, it, it, unfortunately, 
after we had already started season three, I remembered it and mm. I found it around episode five. Mm. So I've been waiting the whole season, Mark, to get the, through these 16 <laughs> episodes. Unbelievable bastard. So that okay. I can play this. Okay, okay. Yeah. Brilliant. That's all I can say. So that is a YouTube clip? Yeah, I found it. It's on YouTube. You can go find it. I, Rob Lowe Goes Nuts, I think, is pretty much the way to find it. But this is, this. they didn't like air this as a normal commercial on normal TV. I'll tell you what, let's ask our viewers slash listeners, Mark, if they know the answer, because I actually don't in this case. Because this is, this honestly, the, all kidding aside, this is fascinating to it me. Is. I this When well, you played this, this was the first time I ever saw this clip, <laughs> and, and I'm a little bit scarred, and I want to see it again, because that just, yeah. that's we'll watch wrong. watch it again at the end. Yes, well, we will. <laughs> here, here's what I can tell you. If it was ever aired, it was heavily audio edited yeah. with lots of beeps yeah. like you heard on our show today. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what we may end up doing, I suppose, is we could throw our this up on YouTube and mark it explicit. <laughs> yeah. But if you really want to hear that version, go out to YouTube. It's out there. And uh, I think it's funny either way, personally. But oh, my gosh. Oh, that's hysterical. You know, the two things I love the most about it are the, probably the things that don't translate great through audio. When Aziz starts mm -hmm. complaining to Rob Lowe, mm -hmm. he throws his coffee in his face. Yeah. And then when Ben stands up for him, he punches Ben in the face. <laughs> so, it's just so good. And that is that is so brilliant now that I'm really thinking about it. Because, I mean, who is more just even keeled? Yes, Chris Traeger's intense, but, yeah. he, but he's very, you know, even yeah. keeled for the most part. And he's a nice guy. And yeah. to see Rob Lowe go the off like that, like, whoa, that made my everything hurt. Yeah. But it's awesome. If you want a little more of that flavor of Rob Lowe, though, check out the season three gag reel because he goes raw pretty quickly in some of those outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Chris Traeger. Um, if in case I just burst anyone's bubble, I apologize. Mm, but, yeah. Mm. but yeah, and we always recommend getting the the DVD of the of the series. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, you'll find that on you'll there. You'll find that on there. Highly recommend. Yep. You won't find this on there, but you will find that on there. No, just go to the to the the, the YouTube's there yeah. and Rob Lowe goes nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's enough. And, and hopefully, it's a Parks and Rec related video. Not some from Spring Break 84. If you, if you find German muffins or something on the dark web, you Run just turn the off the direction. computer. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, uh, enough of those shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Again, welcome to everybody today. We're going to get into this recap right now. Mark, I think, you know, you are going to do us a little bit of a favor here and kind of explain the format of the show for us today. That's right. Yeah, there's been a there's been a bunch of interesting stuff to discuss that I think we wanted to cover. And I think, I think what we wanted to do today is uh, kind of a, kind of a one, two punch. We wanted to go over some stats for season three, which I promise is probably going to be more exciting than that, that sounds, sounds thrilling. No, just, just mm. <laughs> Agnibit. and, and, uh, and B we're going to go through some of our favorite episodes and yep. we're going to rank them in various ways. Basically kinda... a top five, right? Well, you know, it's funny that you'd say that because, uh, you know, the first time you and I talked about it, we said, well, we should do a top 10. Yeah. I mean, one of us said it. I'm not going to point fingers at who. And uh -huh. then and then then that same someone went, well, we should do a top five. And now I'm looking at that other someone saying, what's going on there, Nostradamus? And then that same someone said, well, you know, some deserve honorable mention. So now you're just mercurial. I don't know where you're going with it. So, <laughs> folks, where we ended up is we got top seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, top five plus two runner ups. Let's okay. say it that way. OK. Because then it sounds like we planned it this way, not like it was some sort of weird compromise. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> 
yeah. limitation of everyone's time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, that's what it is. It's it the is. thing you said. All right. So, and then we're going to rank them in various ways, and then we'll send everyone home. Sounds um, like a plan. Well, Alan, I, I figure we'll go into the stats portion here. And I think, if I remember right, you and I both did a little bit of research. Let's call um, them fun facts. I think that's just going to sound better to people than stats. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, we, we we both researched these fun facts, and uh, and so I'll I'll go first with my uh, my little uh, basket full of fun facts, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll pass the basket over to you. Is one of your fun facts about how your voice just broke like Peter Brady's? No, <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. Fair enough. <clears throat> Please proceed, Mark. All right, Alan. All right. So, Alan, the 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 the, statistic, the fun facts that I gathered. <laughs> even easier to say mostly yeah they mostly centered around the most important indicator of all and by of course what i'm talking about is our little sebastian's well rating system rules the universe of parks and recreation rating yeah yeah it has heavy ramifications on a lot of things so there's no horseplay mark that's for sure <laughs> not after the end of the season oh god why 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 <laughs> It's not right. All right. So there's some other stuff I threw in there, too, that's not horseplay and breaking yeah. up as I'm saying it. But that's the, the main component is our little Sebastian's rating system and slicing it and dicing. So before I get into the um, <clears throat> the data, for clarity, in all seriousness, I want to go over three rules that you and I have kind of laid out for ourselves when we are scoring these things and looking at them. And again, for today's show, to be clear, the scope of this includes the 16 episodes contained within season three. Right. right? That's fair. All right. Yeah. And so, by the way, the rules, Mark, we, we do our best not to break them, correct? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> I've been told that we do our best not to break the rules. And when anyone asks me, this is what I say. Just in case there's any bugs on our table. There you Good go. Lord. Okay. So rule number one, speaking of which, Sir Allen of the round table, rule number one, no quarter points. <sighs> so we've, li we, you know, and honestly, you and I have lamented this at yeah. several times in the past. And, and I even got punished severely for breaking the rule once. Oy. But we, so we typically only allow granularity of half points. We don't allow quarter points or any other shenanigans. Yep, agreed. And, but I think you would agree that definitely makes it more of a challenge. It does to make it more challenging. Sometimes, and right? it made it interesting here at the end. And well, I'm sure we'll get into that as we get it, into the top seven. It, it did. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So that's rule number one. Rule number two, we, uh, we review and we score uh, longer versions mm. whenever they're available. That's true. So, producer's cuts, right? Uh, usually when a longer version, typically producer's cuts, they're, they're known by, okay. is available as an option for a given episode, we'll always opt to review uh, and score that longer version of that episode. And we'll use that as our, uh, you know, official uh, score. I think that's, that's a fair to say. Yeah, but we've never taken one of those reassemblies I've done where I put the deleted scenes back where they should have been and then call it the Allen cut. We've never actually reviewed any of those. Though, those right? are pretty good. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind watching one of those. I got to tell you, I, I actually really should produce one of those. And, and, you know, having said that, though, yeah, we'll make the longer version if it's available. We'll make that the official one. But it, it probably bears mentioning on more than one occasion and maybe even the majority of the time we will elect to not only contrast, compare the longer version with the standard air version, but frequently we give the standard air version its own score if if it deserves one, maybe it's being different. Great point. From you the know, longer I one. I think it's fair to say we began that in season three. We did not do that in season two or season one, but I believe we've yes. been consistent in season three and we will be for the rest of the run. Yes. Yes. I think that's correct. All right. Um, and then rule three, this is the last one. 
this seems like a, a simple one, but it bears repeating. We don't mm. share scores. And I know we've said this lots of times in the past, and it's possible that our loyal podcast viewers don't believe us because we can't really prove it. But Alan and I don't share our scores with each other. Yeah. It's like for real, right? Yeah, no, and, and absolutely. We've done this ever since the podcast launched yeah. over a year then ago. Then I'd actually have to have a score before the show instead of just copying yours. And <laughs> See, I knew it. Yeah. So, but, so would you say it's fair to say that we only learn each other's scores when we announce them on the air to, to the viewers. Yeah, no, it's a total surprise to me. Uh, I mean, I try to follow like your, your crazy, you know, calculator, <laughs> abacus, half point, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm trying to calculate, but usually I'm bad at math. Well, I'm always bad at math, but then I usually can't do it fast enough. So I, I wait till you just say it. So the point being is there, there's always that chance that like, for example, I'm going to give a really low score to an episode, Alan likes slot, and you're going to come over the desk at me. Cause then ah, the chaos yeah, is going to ensue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, it would. We don't share our scores with each other before the show to avoid looking stupid. The, the viewers can be certain that with us, looking stupid is always on the table. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's it's part of our bylaws. But yes. Yeah. 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 It's 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 who we are. All right. <laughs> so those are the three rules. Blah blah blah. So here's right. here's what I came up with for my stats for my fun facts. So we've talked a lot about and, and fun about how we frequently don't agree and, you know, we pretend like we're going to be adversarial, blah, blah, blah. And, and and especially in light of us not sharing our scores like us, sometimes we have different scores. But the reality of it is out of the 16 shows, our scores exactly match each other 10 times. Wow. Yeah. Believe it or not. What, so, what kind of a, a percentage is that if we're going to statify it? Well, that'd be five out of eight. And uh, so that'd be 12. That'd be about 60 percent. 60 percent. Yeah. 62 and a half, actually. 0.625. Wow. I, or something. Human calculator over there. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. Anyway, I just thought that that was interesting. Look, if it hadn't matched a wrench in my collection of Sears Craftsman tools, <laughs> I couldn't have told you that. Um, so. Next uh, fun fact is the lowest scoring episode in season three was episode three time capsule where Mm. I gave it a 7.5 and you gave it an eight. And that's the only time that I scored anything lower than an eight for the entire season. And in fact, Alan, you never scored an episode lower than eight for the entire season season. three for season three. That's right. So pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, Next fun fact, the largest discrepancy or variance between our scores occurred in episode 11, Jerry's Painting, where I gave it an 8.0 and you gave it a 9.0. Wow. So only a one point swing at our most fist fighting, uh, you know, we're going to have it out difference. Yeah. That's not that bad. No, it's pretty good, actually. And and I don't think that we have ever had more than a one point difference. That kind of tends to be our zone that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I'm thinking back just to season two and one real briefly. And I think that's probably held true most of the time. If it was ever more different, it was only once or twice. And it was definitely a ways back now. Oh, no, I, I did the research. Did you? We, oh. we, we were never more than one. There, wow, that's yeah, crazy. Because otherwise we just have to end. Well, now it. you know what I want to do, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to predict your score next time, and I'm just going to do two points lower. This is a great episode. Yeah. yeah, this is a great episode. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. for me, too. Good night, yeah. everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> no explanation. Oh, my gosh. All right. So for, for season three overall, my average score was, believe it or not, it was an 8.92. Okay. It was that high. Wow. And my most common score, I was a 9.5. I gave a 9.5 five times. Yeah. It probably, 
would have been six if I hadn't cheated on Harvest Festival. True. Um, Alan, your average score. So mine was 8.92. Yours is 8.97. A little bit higher. Not not too much. And your most common score was a 9.0, which you gave six times. Okay. Um, So the average episode score for season three between the both of us is 8.95. So think about that. The average episode was pretty much a nine. That's that's freaking incredible. Well, you know, I'll say this, and I know we mentioned it briefly in our prep for for today's show. Season three is just a really, really good season. Yeah, I I can. It's got to be a candidate for one of the best. Oh, for sure. And and I'm I, I don't I won't say now because I don't want to be wrong, and I don't fully remember every detail of seasons four, five, and six, and of course what is basically a half season in season seven. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I feel like it's it's easily going to be one of the two best seasons by the time we're done. I, I can say I would that agree right with now. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good way to put it. Um, so this is probably obvious, but also for those who follow us, you know, uh, our season three also ushered in our first perfect 10. Yeah. Uh, just recently, in fact, Alan and I both gave 10s to the producer's cut of season three finale, Little Sebastian. That's right. And so finally, I thought it was interesting to note. Um, out of the 16 episodes, there were four with longer versions. So that's like 25%. I, I can do that one. <laughs> so they were Harvest Festival, yep. Jerry's Painting, okay. The Fight, yep. and Little Sebastian. There you go. Of these, three of them were explicitly labeled producer's cuts, mm. as you might expect. And the fourth one, Jerry's Painting, was that, you remember, that was that odd oh, episode yeah. that we went to the van down by the river. We searched everything we knew. Constantine went high and low, and we couldn't find it. All the, the, the normal air yes. version, all we could find is... Uh, the longer version clocking in at twenty six thirty eight. Yeah, and, and that included Peacock. Like we we looked to the the, the webs, and, and it everything. was and it was not labeled as a producer's cut. That's true. So, I think I finally figured out what's going on with this. What? Yeah. So I and I take no credit for this, other than I stumbled across this on Wikipedia, and I'm honestly not sure how we missed this the first time. Okay. So this is what they have to say. During its original broadcast, the episode ran for an extended 40 minutes rather than the usual 30 minutes. So that would account for it, right? Okay. The extra time was due to an extended episode of The Office Uh, that ran before Parks and Rec, Goodbye Michael, which featured the final appearance of Steve Carell as a regular cast member playing Michael Scott. So I think essentially what they probably did is instead of trying to fit three normal half hour yeah. shows in 90 minutes, they just supersized two two of them. And yeah. it just happened to be that Jerry's painting was in the driver's seat for Parks and Rec and wow. that that's what happened. So Excellent. that's kind of interesting, isn't that it? That is very interesting. And it totally explains what we found. Yeah. Yeah. So the, them's the facts, Jax. I want those 19 hours back. <laughs> hard research. <laughs> so did you have some uh, stats, some fun facts that you wanted to share with uh, the class? Yeah. yeah. I, I was also uh, on a, you know, a course to, to statify or uh, fun factify some stuff there as well. There you go. Yep. And um, I stumbled across an interesting, uh, you know, page out on the, I think IMDB had this and a few others. And I, of course, you know, took it out and put it into our abacus and make more <laughs> and uh, came out with my own numbers here. Mine's basically about screen time. And I, I thought about this in, in an interesting way. I've been driving a lot for work and I was thinking about it one day and thinking people's varied screen times will have a lot to do with well, multiple things. One, what role they play in the show. I yep. think it's fair to say, for example, Amy Poehler playing Leslie Nope, of course, is I, I call her the glue of the show. 
She's yeah. also super funny. Uh, she is the protagonist. She's all those things. But her screen time, a good portion of it, I will argue, is being the glue of the show. It's, it bears out in the numbers as well. And like, so here's what I found. If you just look at like, I, and I've got all seven seasons here in my spreadsheet. We're only going to talk about season three today. But mm-hmm. I will say from a perspective, like number one is Amy Poehler. And then whoever number two is, and I'll let you guess in a second, the difference between number one and number two it was staggering to me. Like I was shocked by it. So who do you think number two is in, in terms of screen time? And again, this is the average of all seasons right now for this part of the conversation. I think it'd be hard for me not to go with my my boy, Ron yeah. Swanson, Nick Offerman. Yep. No, that's exactly right. And then uh, and then take a stab at number three, because this is interesting to me. I, I think... Because of the character that he grew into, I'm going to say mm-hmm. Chris Pratt. That's a good guess, but no. Is Pratt's it wrong? A, no, it's wrong. Pratt, Pratt's in fifth place. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's um, um, Ben. It is Ben. Yeah, Adam Scott. Yeah, it is Ben. He became such a central part of the story of the of the cast. Yeah, yeah he did. In his relationship with, with, with Leslie, Ben and Leslie, the Bensleys, as we call them. Mm. It, you know, it, it made sense to me, but I, I don't think I went into this thinking about it. Uh, and then, you know, Aziz as Tom Haverford was in fourth and Pratt was in fifth and then Aubrey and then Rashida and then Rob and then Jim O'Hare and Retta. So that was basically the order of things. And I thought it was just kind of interesting. I wasn't surprised at that the end of the list as much as I was a little bit about the beginning of the list. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you made a good point earlier. I think this is at least what you were alluding to, that when you have a character that is kind of the glue of the show and they serve to uh, to to tie together a lot of the plots. They, they take you from one scene to the other. It's kind of what the show is revolving around. I think maybe they can't. I want to say this carefully. Amy Poehler is extremely funny and, and Leslie has had some awesome scenes. And yet I would say that she maybe has a little bit less opportunity to be bombastically funny as, say, Iran or mm. uh April or, or or Ben because they can get away with more crazy stuff because maybe that can kind of fade into the background as you go on to other scenes. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. And, and I would agree. I mean, I think if she might lose her credibility being the functional glue, I hate to keep saying that, but, you know, she's there so often and she is the protagonist. And I think in that case, yeah, she can absolutely be funny. She can be heartfelt. She can be all those things at times, but she's got to be pretty consistent. You know what I mean? And she can't like be 100% the crazy bombastic one and be on screen as much as she is. I don't think it would work. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm just thinking about sitcoms in general. And if they do have like... um a central character who just kind of, you know, serves as the glue that holds things together. That's usually the straight man or straight, straight uh, woman. And yeah, she is good, definitely good not. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. That. No, she's not. She's uh, she can be really wackadoo. Oh, my God. And hilarious. I mean, she. Yeah. When she's at her when she's on her game, when she's at her best, she's as funny as any of. Them. Yeah, that's Easily. absolutely true. Let me put let me read it to you in numbers real quick and then we're going to get right into our top our top Seven. Seven. (laughs) So so in season three alone, Mm -hmm. right, Amy Poehler, first of all, she heard a Nick, right? She had 2.26 times as much as screen time as Ron did. So she probably had like 70%. If you combine both of their times, she probably had about 70 and he probably had about 30. Yeah. 
Uh, Interesting. So, so specifically in this season, Amy had 23% of the total screen time alone. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Everyone else shared 70, the other 77%. Right, right, right. So maybe like Ron might have about 10%. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Of, of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Ron was just a little over 10%. You know, Ben was more like 15%. Mm. And then everyone else is quite a bit lower. And then by the time you get down to poor, you know, uh, you know, Gary Gergage and Donna Meagle, mm. it just starts to drop quite a bit. Yeah. And and in season three specifically, as they bring Ben's arc into play and start to feature him more, it allows him to move in position number three overall seven seasons. Mm-hmm. But he's in number two in the season three slot. He actually had about 81 minutes of screen time where Nick Offerman only had 64 minutes in season three. Amy had 141 minutes. So if you just rank season three, it's it's basically uh, Leslie, Ben, then Ron. Hmm. Now, that averages out and then balances a little bit more because season two, Ron was featured so heavily. I mean, it's if you look at the numbers, it's kind of crazy. And then in four through seven, everything's about in the order you would expect based on that top seven, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, should we get into our episode rankings? Yep, I'm ready. So, Alan, you and I discussed this before the show. And again, we agreed upon a top seven list. So what did we have in our number seven spot? Well, Mark, we're going to start off today's countdown, if you will, Mm -hmm. Casey Kasem style. That's right. With number seven, Soulmates. (laughs) So this was season three, episode 10, Mm -hmm. Soulmates. Uh, You gave this episode 9.5 Little Sebastians, and I gave it nine Little Sebastians. Well, Mark, Soulmates first aired on April 21st, 2011. It was written by Alan Yang and directed by Ken Whittingham, uh, the great Ken Whittingham, who we had on our show. Terrific uh, guest. It was a pleasure, yeah. It was. Uh, Mark, I think it's worth mentioning for Soulmates that our MVP for this episode is Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. Yep. Yep. I think you also gave an unofficial answer saying The Writers. Which I think we both agreed with because this is one of those episodes that were just so well written overall. It was. And there were so many relationship pairings. You had so many pairs of people that did things that you maybe wouldn't typically see. It was very enjoyable to see the pairings. Yeah, it was a little out of the box in that regard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sure was. Uh, you know, this, if you remember, the storylines here were pretty much, you know, I think you call, I love your titles for some of these, Chris versus Ron, Burger Battle. Burger Battle. Yeah. You know, Chris's health initiative is is really kind of making it difficult for everyone to enjoy their favorites at the commissary. Um, we also had the douche vestigation where <laughs> ben, ben turns down Leslie's invitation to dinner. Um, you know, oh, Yeah. Ben, fearing Chris's reprisal, turns down Leslie's invitation to dinner and she joins, uh, you know, HoosierMate.com. Oh, yeah. And sadly is is gone now. We tried to get to that site and it's it's not what it, you know, I think it went to the dark web or something. Well, I think it needed to because didn't she get matched with Tom? She did get matched with Tom. Yeah. And speaking of highlights, Mark, you know, uh, what do you remember about the show? Because I know there were a couple of specific things I remember as well. There were a lot of very funny things about this, but I think one, and I said this then, I'll say it now, that just made me giddy. And I don't exactly know why is what I call the punching bag battle royale, where we finally had we've seen Jerry get punked on. We've seen Kyle get punked on. Throw him right together, <laughs> see what happens, and it turns out Jerry's yep. above Kyle on the pecking order. I I love 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 that. That's so good. Yeah. How about you? Well, I, I and I and I think that's so true to life, isn't it? There's always that one person in the group who's 
at the bottom rung of the ladder. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Are you the youngest member of the family? Go punch the dog. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, you know, here on the podcast, Mark, I I think that's, oh, it's Constantine. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's Constantine. <laughs> I see you guys exchanging knowing looks. Don't do that. I also really liked here, you know, Tom's ridiculous names for food and drink items. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think one of them was a chicky, chicky, parm, parm. Chicky, chicky, parm, parm. Yeah. So there were some definitely some standouts here. And then, of course, their their trip to Grain and Simple, which me being uh, mostly a vegetarian now for a long time, um, you know, 20 years um, or more, <laughs> you know, I could totally relate to the Grain and Simple experience. So I, I also enjoyed the flip side of that at food and stuff. Well, and, and I think even I mean, all kidding aside, you know, I, I know you're a vegetarian and you have been for years and I love how even you can admit, you know, bacon is delicious and you will be the first one to say, even though Chris's turkey burger, it sounded very, very good. I mean, it was if it had been a like a veggie burger, I would have eaten it. Oh, yeah. 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 Like umami and all these other awesome flavors. (laughs) And he he toiled over it. And yet red meat will beat the crap out of it. Red meat. No, no special season. I don't even think it's sold on it. It is on a bun. It is on a bun. Put ketchup on it. I don't care. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was so good. And then uh, I, I think the the final, I know you called this out during the show, the, the what you called your spit take moment, you know, where Leslie. Yeah, it was, it was when Anne was was next to her oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was yeah. taking, wasn't she take, doing a cholesterol reading or something for Chris's health well, initiative? Well, she keeps thinking that Anne has, got, has, has now put the needle in her arm and she's like, ow, and no, I haven't done anything yet. Ow, I haven't done anything yet. And then she finally does it. And she and she doesn't even cry out in pain. She goes, oh, beep you, Ann. Yeah. So we know it finally happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, so funny. All right. Mark, you want to take us on to number six? Yeah. Counting down position number six. We have a wacky, wacky episode called Road Trip. So this is the, the 14th uh, episode uh, of season three. And yep. we both uh, scored at 9.5. It first aired... Uh, on May 12th, 2011, written by Harris Whittles and directed by Troy Miller. And um, I think we had three main storylines in that one. Uh, one was about Ben and Leslie being forced by Chris to go on this road trip to Indianapolis to pitch yeah. Pawnee for the, his dynamic duo yeah, yeah. for the Little League thing. And, and then they're Leslie struggling to make things not at all romantic and please make it boring. And, you know, stupid Ben makes the very heartfelt speech that makes her kind of melt. So, like, not making it easy. And then they get together. Um, and then the second story was about, remember, Tom had the game show called Know You Boo. Oh, my gosh. And then that just serves to make April and Andy fight because April's favorite band is Milk Toast or whatever it was. And uh, <laughs> Neutral Milk Hotel. That's what I said. And then is, but it's not Mouse Rat is <laughs> the important thing. Rat. It's not yeah. Mouse Rat at all. Yeah. And they get in a fight and then, they, you know, they make up, which is sweet. And then the, the third one. Which in a lot of ways was just as good as the other two. I called shaping the world one burkus at a time. We remember the nine year old came in and said, she's so hey, cute. Yeah, and she really was. Yeah. And it's like, hey, can I interview you? No. And then, well, but it's about why government matters. Yeah. Really? Really? <laughs> and that's all it took. So it's a really, really funny vehicle for Nick Offerman. Um, what were some things that you remember from that episode, Alan? Well, I, I think on the, you know, kind of depending on what you want, whether wanted funny, heartfelt or just wackadoodle, mm. you know, one of my favorite things about this, I remember, was Ben's speech uh, to the committee about why they should choose Pawnee. It was good. Yeah, it, w- it was not only a good speech, but you knew during this speech that 
yeah, he believes these things about Pawnee, but he mostly believes them about Leslie. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really there sealing their relationship, cementing their relationship. I, I completely agree. Um, I also thought another really sweet moment with the uh, the April Andy sl- subplot is, you know, April is actually making quite an effort oh, to, yeah. to make up with Andy in several different ways. And it ends with her getting the other members of Mouse Rat into the courtyard and she's singing the pit. And, you know, and yep. he's kind of depressed. He's like, oh, I love this song. Oh, <laughs> huh? and huh? realizes it's April singing. And it's just a really cool. This is one of those episodes that uses musicality very well, yes, which I did. really, really like. So, yeah, um, the, the only other one I remember, because I know those are both kind of sweet moments. Yeah. Ron giving Lauren Burkus a Claymore. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> And Ron was your MVP for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And yeah, see, I'm saying that like it's funny. It was oddly kind of sweet. Well, I think her mom <laughs> calls it into question later as well. And oh, he yeah. says, you know, it, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And she just goes, how? Look, I, I get that. But I maintain that was a very in a Ron way. That was a very sweet moment. Yep. Well, they're both so earnest about, you know, her wanting to learn and him giving his just straight up honest, you know, um, opinion about government and why, you know, it matters. It doesn't. Right, right. And, you know, I, I don't know. I th- I really enjoyed that episode. And that he liked her. He's like, between he you, really did like her. You're yeah. smarter than most of the people in this building. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of whispered it so no one overheard. But yeah, absolutely. Alan, why don't you lead us off to number five? All right. That sounds like a plan. The episode we ranked number five. Mm-hmm. Episode number five. <laughs> Sorry, there you go. Um, We need to really hire an announcer for this show. This was the second episode of season three, Mm -hmm. Flu Season, with Norm Hiscock. Oh, yeah. And speaking of awesome guests, we had Norm on the show as well. Oh, so fun. Talking about this episode and many others and the rest of his career. So that's right. I appreciate having Norm. We actually just released the full Pawnee spotlight of that interview. So you should go out and check that out. That's right. Um, So Flu Season was rated a 9.5 by Mark and a 9.5 by Alan. Well, yeah, you know, Alan, the, at this point in season three, it's just the second episode. This was our highest score to date. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very impressive score to have as episode number two. Mm-hmm. I think at this point we knew this this season was going to be interesting and special. Right. Yeah, right. I think that's true. Well, this episode first aired on January 27th, 2011. You know, we had uh, about three major plot lines here going on, you know, over Ann Perkins Hospital, beyond Thunderdome, is what you called storyline. Everybody's sick. Everyone was sick. And, you know, I I don't know if if it's universally true that it's funny when people are sick. I, I Probably not in real life. But on TV it is. And in this episode, it really was. I think when people are purposefully made to not be at their best. Yeah then comedy starts to ensue because no one's like on the, you know, the verge of any serious illness here. So that even makes it also a little funnier. Yeah. They're not at their best. It's a little embarrassing for them. They're not in any real danger. No, just some vomiting. Just some vomiting. That's nothing. Yeah. No no big deal. And and a lot of pooping, apparently, if you're Chris. (laughs) Stop pooping. Um, our second storyline we we titled Chamber of Commerce Presentation. I, I won't say that's your best title, Mark, no, ever, it's not. but it's functional. It's functional. Yeah. I, you know what? I know what happened there. Yeah. 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 Just by the title. Nice job. Leslie's determined to give a presentation despite her own, uh, you know, issues with the flu and hilarity ensues as she tries. And, you know, what's? <laughs> we'll get into the highlights in a minute. I'll save it. Yeah. Yeah. Our third storyline was Ron and Andy 
a love story. Aww. I do like that. Yeah. And I think it was that, you know, one of those moments where, you know, Andy's filling in as Ron's assistant because April is in the hospital with the flu. Because April's in the hospital with the flu. That's yep. exactly right. And, uh, you know, it's kind of an opportunity for Ron to be a mentor to the Andy character. Yeah. And I don't think that they've really had a lot of time to bond. And I think that Ron feels like he's with a lot of women and Tom, um, you know, <laughs> around him. So I think he found it kind of refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I think it was for him. You know, our MVP here, this is another interesting thing about this episode. Uh, I don't know if the, I'm surprised this didn't get you actually bumped out to the auxiliary, auxiliary. I was too. Out. Yeah, but you did a four-way tie between Leslie, Ben, Ron, and Andy for your MVP. I, I, and, and you know what? In its own weird way, I stand by that. There's There are so many good performances and they actually split the time, it feels like, yeah. really well in this episode. I, I know we've been, We've done co-MVPs before. This may be our only four-way tie MVP, though. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our bonus interview clips with Norm Hiscock. We also played in this episode. Yup. Yep. We talked about, you know, the Ron and Andy bonding and Ron giving Andy some really helpful advice about April, which obviously pays off a little bit down the road in this season. Right. Um, you know, we all, Ben does especially, but we all realize kind of what a badass Leslie is, even when she's sick. Well, and we also see that that Chris, the microchip Traeger, yeah. <laughs> uh, perhaps is is human after all, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. But, you know, come on. Yeah. When he gets the viruses, is, is, yeah, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like I think this is the first episode where I really, really clocked how impressed Ben is with Leslie. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. He realizes that she's especially good at her job. Oh, yeah. Like he was blown away at yeah. her presentation. Yeah. I mean, fevered and fluish yep. and sick and hallucinating and about She's to still pass impressive. out. And she knocked it out of the yeah. park. And he's just like, yeah, his, his yeah. jaw hit the floor. But when she steps off the di- the dais there, it's pretty much get her out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's done. Yep. <laughs> she's like a wind up doll. Wasn't that wasn't that episode also the source of, of two great uh, improv? It lines? was. Yeah. Yeah, the first one, um, I believe, was as earlier in the episode, Andy is looking up Leslie's symptoms and basically says... He's trying to. He's trying to on the internets there. And, uh, you know, Andy doesn't really understand how they work. No. And so when apparently he's not online, he says, it says here your symptoms with your symptoms that you may have a case of network connectivity (laughs) problems. And Chris's, I think, is a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. Stop. Pooping. The motivational speech he gives himself in the mirror. Yeah, I remember too. Mike Schur said that, you know, that that Pratt improv was his favorite series, series wide. And as a writer, it just made him angry. It made him furious yeah. that, that they put so much effort in as writers to script this stuff. And then freaking Pratt just goes, hey, how about this? I hate yeah. you. I mean, use it. Yeah, it's gold. of course. Use yeah. it. Yeah. What are we, Superman? All right, Mark, I think that takes us to position number four. Position number four. Do we yeah. want to keep saying position? Uh, sure. It sounds like we're talking about the Kama Sutra. Coming in at, at uh, rating number four. <laughs> number four in the countdown. There you How go. How about that? Yeah. Thank um, you, Casey. We, we have uh, episode nine of season three, uh, April and Andy's Fancy Party. Actually, I think I keep on saying that backwards. It may be Andy and April's Fancy Party. It's not. You actually have it right. April and Andy's Fancy Party. Do I? I think because... You know, Pratt's got more screen time, right? We'll go back to our stats than April does. Um, you will kind of want to put him first, but this is actually called April and Andy's Fancy Party. I just think the names audibly flow better if you say April and Andy. I do too. Yeah. Anyway, so the writers must have agreed. 
this one, this one I thought was kind of interesting because I, I gave it a nine five, and uh. I see here that that you gave it a nine zero. Oh. Now you and I both sat down and talked about this list, and we agreed that we wanted to put this in the number four position. We did, and and I think you know officially I recanted my score or let's say I took a mulligan on it uh, even better. Yeah. Um, you know, and we did, we allowed ourselves to do this a little bit in our mid season recap uh, in season three and, and previously as well to kind of say, look, you know, some time's gone by and I've thought about this episode some more. Oh, sure. We've made the point that you can feel a little bit differently about an episode one day than another. I, I feel like looking back on season three, now that it's all behind us, this is definitely in the top five. Um, I believe it belongs in position number four. I think we agreed on that. And I feel like I, I had said in that show anywhere from eight, five to nine, five. And so I just kind of said, fine, I'm giving it a nine. I, I'm going to go back and say it really deserved the nine, five. If yeah. some of these other episodes did, which I still stick to, I think this did as well. I, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. So so this this dude aired uh, April 14th, 2011. It was written by Katie Dippold and directed by Michael Trim. Um and this was another really it was an episode with a lot of musicality, which, mm. again, I really, really enjoyed. They did that more often, I think, in season three than anything to date. Anything to date, for sure. And we've talked about how that reflects in one of our favorite other shows, Scrubs. That's right. Yeah, oh, I love Lawrence. Scrubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are two main storylines. The first one I call The Ballad of Andy and April. And they very simply they invite everyone to their fancy dinner party at uh, Burley's. Because that's where they're living. That's another thing altogether. Um, only to surprise everyone. By Did they invite Burley? No. 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 Why? Is that pertinent? Is that, is that germane? <laughs> Apparently not. As the germane say. Um, it's only. <laughs> and they surprise everyone by getting married. And uh, th- there was actually a, a tiny subplot that you called out. And I think rightfully so in that where. There was a question as to whether or not Ben was going to stay in Pawnee. And it wasn't really big, but I mean, it was important in the sense that it kind of showed like he wants to stick around, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think he's he's making a decision at that point and we know which side he ultimately fell on. Well, and Leslie was trying to play it cool. And then she's just like, no, no, stay here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then the the second story, which was funny enough, but I think a little bit of of the definitely the B story, what I called Awkward Anne. And it was where Anne goes to Eagleton and she attends singles night at a clean that up. Constantine, you got to clean up on aisle me. <laughs> so she she goes to singles night at a bar, and I we there is a name of the bar, and I forget what the bar was, but it doesn't matter. It and and she runs into Donna, <laughs> and things are extremely awkward, and you know chaos ensues. I, I think it's singles night, and that's you know it, it's everyone for themselves, and that's why it's so awkward. It, it is, and and I think that she thought she was going to find some solidarity with Donna, and yeah. said Donna's like, "This is the jungle. You get out. Why don't you just you just go? <laughs> Any man you get is a man I don't." get yeah it's yeah. a zero-sum game that's right that's exactly what that yeah. is it's so weird too to look back at this episode when we've been seeing Anne with like what three to seven boyfriends <laughs> an episode for a while now it's like this is such a jarring change of pace it really was well oh this is gosh. the first time she put herself out there and certainly before she became you know comfortable with the Pawnee dating scene I think it's fair to say I think I think I'll stand by my selection for MVP mm. with Andy and April, Chris Pratt and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so much about them as well. It should have been. And they, it was just very sweet and they had some funny moments. What were some of your 
favorite moments that you remember from this I mean, episode? I think generally, you know, thematically, the wedding itself for me is yeah. obviously the highlight of the episode. Yeah. I like the way it was shot. I like the way they acted out. I loved how, like, you know, April comes in at the back of the room and Andy's at the front. And you, he's like, and I think Pratt did, did such a good job, you know, forget how you feel about him as a person. As an actor, he did a really good job. I mean, he's like, he had me almost in tears because I saw him almost in tears and you know and and April then is almost in tears which for April is saying something oh yeah well she was uh, she in was tears. yeah so the, I think the whole wedding scene the way it was shot the way it was done was just terrific I'll tell you what one of my favorite scenes was was actually the the cold open oh, it may gosh. be maybe maybe my favorite cold open of the series at least a top three and this is this is yeah. the one where Ron decides He's gonna pull, pull. He's gonna pull his tooth out right there yeah. at the table. Ron, and, do you need to go to the dentist? No, no just I got take it. Care of the, and everyone, no, 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 no. And everybody loses <laughs> their. And he yanks it out. Tom <laughs> faints. What the beep? Everyone just runs out of the room. Oh my gosh! Who, so who ran? It was Ben, right? Ben like takes off, sprinting out of the room, and oh, like yeah. you never see him again. Oh yeah, like no, I'm not dealing with this. This is this is. This is crap. I'm not I'm not staying in the room with this. This is madness. You know, I just rewatched the blooper reel for season three, Mark, and the blooper version of that. I don't know if you remember it. Mm -mm. Uh, so, you know, Nick Offerman's got the, the the pliers in there and he's pulling out his tooth. Yeah. Well, he's wearing a prosthetic, you know, spoiler alert. Right. Uh -huh. uh, so it leaves the nice gap there. Yeah. He accidentally pulls out the whole prosthetic <laughs> on the pliers. <laughs> and everyone just loses it. It's great. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What what other good moments were there? Any others that come to mind? I, I think one of the other moments I really liked was when basically, you know, April is pretty, um, how do we say this, guarded in sharing her emotions generally. Sure. Let's say that. Yeah. That's that's a good way. Fair. And then, you know, you pointed out kind of her, her visceral reaction to the, the wedding itself. But then at the end, you know, she just comes up and tells Leslie how much she loves her and gives her a big hug. And I, I think, you know, for Leslie, that was a really special moment for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Alan, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us about uh, what's in number three at the countdown? All right. Well, now in position... Sorry. Excuse me. Episode number three. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's better. We have the famous fight. Oh, the fight. Yeah. So this was the 13th episode of season three. This was another one of those that we both scored 9.5 Little Sebastians. Yep. It first aired on May 12, 2011. This episode was written by Amy, Amy Poehler, mm. and directed by the great Randall Einhorn. Mm. So in this episode, if you recall, you know, we, we had two storylines and one of them you, you titled My New Favorite Poison, mm -hmm. uh, a.k.a. Snake Juice. Snake Juice. Yeah. Tom unveils his snake juice drink. Everyone gets drunk and chaos and humor ensue. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. And then <laughs> this B storyline, which is semi-related to the A storyline, at least in its, it's title. It's fueled by it. Well, it's fueled, very nicely said. It's fueled by it. You're stupid and you're drunk and you're stupid. Yeah. Um, this is the one where, where Chris engages Leslie to find a new replacement for oh, the yeah. health department yeah, yeah. director, uh, you know, who kind of loses his mind and oh, yeah, yeah. puts up posters about his wife all over City Jan Hall. Jan Cooper. Jan Cooper. 100% of Jan Coopers have chlamydia. 
Um, and, you know, Leslie, she's just in for the job. Yeah. Which is great. But yeah. then she kind of pushes her into it yeah. more than suggests it. She yeah. pushes, which, you know, then once they're both feeling a little more free to share their feelings about said, uh, you know, pushing uh, turns bad. They're at the stink hole. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on. I should note also that wasn't this. I think this is the first one on our countdown list where we actually included the producer's cut as the one we reviewed. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, Mark, our MVP for this was <laughs> the Burt Macklin Janet snake hole combo, which is a little bit out of the box. I think we gave it more to the scene and the characters than we did the actors. I suppose that's probably true. Um, but well deserved. I mean, this is an iconic episode. Very, very memorable. Well, and, and uh, I think of, of, I mean, they were all wacky out of their minds in this episode, but I particularly loved Aubrey Plaza as Janet Snakehole. She was insane. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza's take on Janet Snakehole, because if you remember, I think in one of the earlier episodes, uh, where they're trying to basically steal a bunch of tip money at the at the Snakehole Oh yeah, Lounge. yeah. She men- introduces herself as Janet Snakehole. That was Indianapolis. It was Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the owner's daughter. Um, but obviously, she takes the whole Janet Snakehole persona a whole different direction here. Oh yeah, that fabulous. was a name only. This is the true. Yeah. this yeah. is the embodiment. Of yeah, Janet the embodiment. Snakehole. Yes, she's a, a rich widow. Uh, she's. Crazy. Got a terrible secret. Terrible secret. Yes. (laughs) Do we ever learn her secret? No. 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 I'm still want to know what the secret is. Me too. Mark, I know that this this had a lot of highlights. Um, You know, basically, we I remember one of them was you know Ron is defending Tom to Chris, and you know, um, well, I remember that one of them is when Tom basically gets in trouble for promoting his snake juice as a government employee, a product he created and sending out the mailing list everyone he works to come to a bar he co-owns and chris was chris is like dude you you can't do that you're gonna have to sell your shares and you know ron you know stands up for for tom but yeah ultimately he pretty much has to sell his stake there and didn't ron gave him this really cool uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a gift, gift at yeah. the end. It was like a wooden, a custom wooden case. You build him a case. Apropos for Ron, that right? Holds the snake ho- uh, that holds the snake juice bottle. Right. And then you open up the case yeah. and on the inside, it just says one word, onward. onward. That was yeah. really cool. Very motivational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved it. And, and you know what? It's interesting because here at the end of season three, which we'll talk about in a minute, I he may have taken that to heart. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So I, when I think of moments, I, I just got to take the easy one and say <laughs> Ron dancing with April's pillbox hat on his head. I mean, oh, my gosh. That whole jump cut sequence of each one of them reacting with to the snake juice, um, you know, three fourths of the way into the evening. Again, I've seen it on YouTube a thousand times. It's been <laughs> memeified. I, my grandma sent it to me in a, you know, actually somehow she printed it out from AOL and sent it to me in the mail. Oh, wow. Crazy. Wow. It wasn't that drunken sequence also where Ben just said, Baba Booey. <laughs> so good. Oh, my goodness. Well, I know that that inspired uh, many, many Halloween costumes as well. The, oh, yeah. The Burt Macklin, Janet Snake Cole combo. Yep. You know, too, I think Ben Schwartz was a standout in this episode. Yeah. Um, as as John Ralphio, of course. Uh, Nick Kroll, you know, as the douche. The douche. How, the Howard douche Tuttleman. Classic. And this was our last appearance of, uh, I believe, of Andy Milder as the club owner. We love to hate Freddie. Oh, yeah. Who, Andy Milder, also was a guest on our show. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 
I love it. Yeah, I love talking to him. So, anything else from this uh, this episode, Mark? Before we move on, um, no, I don't think so. This is this is one of the ones that was so strong. As a matter of fact, you and I both hinted that um, I think we we scored it about a nine five or nine Oh for the standard, but the producers cut. Yeah. It threatened to go. This was the first one on our list. I think threatened to go beyond a nine five. That's true. Hmm. I think the only other thing I remember from this episode that still, still strikes me as funny as I see it is they're basically leaving the snake hole lounge. Um, you know, I think, Ape, or I think Anne has taken a taxi home. Yeah. But everyone else is somehow in Donna's Benz. Her baby. Her her baby. Yeah. Uh, she's sober. Her and Chris did not drink any snake no. snake juice. No. Because uh, Chris says it would literally kill him oh, if yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Donna's on a cleanse. She's on so a cleanse. She ain't messing with that. No. Yeah. But if I recall, you know, you've got Amy and Ron and uh, Tom uh, all in the back seat. Tom was in the trunk. Oh, Tom was in the trunk. Everybody else was just crammed, crammed in. in. Jerry is strapped to the top of the vehicle. Oh yeah, yeah. And then from the darkness inside the car, you hear Ben Ben Schwartz as John Ralphio go, "I'm so lonely." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny! Oh, my gosh, what a great scene. Well, Mark, that, I think that takes us now to our number two episode. Episode number two. We have, um, in some ways, what was a a, a semi season finale, although not really. It was mid season. It was right it, in the middle of but the it, season. But it certainly yeah. seemed it had the air of a season finale in it, a way. It was so strong. In a good it way. had all the components. Yes. The music, the the over the top everything. It really felt like a season finale. And what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, episode seven of season three, Harvest Festival. Yes. This was another one where we uh, had the producers cut to yeah, review. That's true. And we may have even given them, you know, separate scores again. Um so for this one, I you gave it a nine five. Uh, yeah, what did you do, Mark? Up. Well, here's what I did. I lost my parking space. Is what I did because <laughs> I gave I gave the normal episode, the normal aired episode, a yeah, nine five. You broke one of the rules, basically. I was so much of a brazen coward. Like I wanted, I wanted to give it a ten, and then I went, I'm afraid, and so I ended up giving it a nine point seven five. And then my parking space got taken away, and we're never going to do that again. For those listening, so. I didn't know if you knew, Alan, we're not allowed to give quarter points anymore. Uh, I heard. But you know what? I got the memo. I, I'm going to say this. I had my parking space taken away. I'm not going to do it again. I earned the right to say it's got a quarter point. I did my penance. I, I think we put it in the official score because you did it. You paid the price for doing it, but you did it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, absolutely. So, and this was also one that was kind of interesting because we decided to split it into two podcasts. Oh, that's true. And yeah. each podcast had some snippets from from an interview yeah. that we had. I think, think the first one was with the great Mo Collins. Yep. Uh, who played... Uh, Joan Calamezzo. Joan Calamezzo. Yeah. And then the second one was Jay Jackson as Perd Happily. Happily. Yeah, yep. that's right. So, um, so this, this episode first aired March 17th, 2011. It was written by Dan Gore, directed by Dean Holland. And this had three storylines, basically. One was about the Harvest Festival just coming together in general. And, and that was by far and away the biggest one. And it encapsulated a lot of stuff. Yep. So essentially... Ken Hotate, love this guy, love him. says there's going to be a curse on account of this is Indian ground and stuff. And Leslie's like, no offense, but we can't really change it. And then they 
they introduce little Sebastian in this episode. Yes. They lose little Sebastian in this episode. They freak out about little Sebastian <laughs> in this episode and they think maybe they are cursed. Blah, Let's blah, say blah. they misplace him. Yeah, that's much better. Because lose could be confusing in terms of what we're going to do. Tom made about. sure little Sebastian had a really, really <laughs> bright light on him so they could he find did. him. You can see it from space. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the God. second storyline, uh, uh, as it is, had to do with April deciding to be transparent and vulnerable with Andy and oh, tells yeah. him that uh, <laughs> she loves him. And Ellen, what did he say? He said, dude, that is awesome sauce. <laughs> what every guy should say to the woman who just told, just, you know, ripped her heart out and shared it with him. April mad. Um, the third storyline, which is still funny, is probably the weakest of the three, was a, a, a Donna and Anne uh, a buddy cop uh, oh, storyline. Yeah. Not buddy cop. <laughs> where Anne is not handling the breakup with Chris well. This is pre-13 boyfriends in episode yeah. Anne. She's still yeah. kind of down the dumps and... Yeah. Donna gives her the advice from Granny Meagle, which is, you know, use him, abuse him, lose him. And um, then, you know, Jersey Shore wannabe dude enters oh the tent God. and then Anne's like, maybe this maybe let's do this now. And so that's kind of where that goes. Um, I, I This is another one where everyone gave such a good uh, performance. But for a lot of the reasons that you stated when we were talking about screen time, we had to give this one as the MVP to Amy Poehler as yeah. Leslie Nope. Right. Absolutely. Um, what were your pick one of the 18 or 20,000 moments? What were some of your favorite moments? Um, well, you know, I, I think one of the standouts for this, and I mentioned it, I think in our coverage of what will ultimately be our number one episode was I, I was in the car about a week ago and, you know, Tom Petty's American girl was playing. Oh yeah. And it just always takes me back to this episode now. Yeah. Um, it's again, it's another one of those where the use of music, um, you know, they they pulled the budget out on this one. They got special cranes. Uh, they did an on-site location shoot at an actual carnival. So they didn't actually have to pay for that. They just had to rent it. Right. And the whole thing is like put together and looks so good. Yeah. Um, that it's like it's it's head and shoulders above the what's already really good production value in every other episode. I think it's this episode had the first of two aerial shots that was yeah. used in the entire series. Yeah. And just one of the best endings to an episode in the entire series yep. as well. Yep. Um, you know, we had, I think this was around the time where we coined the phrase Bidgey, you know, Ben doesn't get it, mm. or we certainly were, were heavily uh, touting it at this point. Yeah. Um, because, you know, everyone is so in love with little Sebastian yep. and thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Ben is like, uh, he's a horse, like, a, like he's a mini horse. <laughs> I think I remember him saying, really? Yeah. What does he do? And and April goes, oh. he does being a mini horse and he does it awesome. <laughs> I mean, you, she's not wrong. No. Yeah. No. Um, I, you know what? I remember one specific thing, not necessarily a highlight, but I think it's worth mentioning. The reason I, I think what kept me from, well, I didn't cheat. So I, I, that's why I didn't give it a 9.75 or whatever. Um, but the reason I couldn't give it a 10 was while I felt like this episode was particularly good on the use of the bench, mm -hmm. um, Rob Lowe wasn't in it. You know, yeah. the, the Chris character had basically been semi prepared to be written out because at this point they, were, they, they weren't sure he was yeah. going to be back. Um, and that's mostly 
at the time they're shooting these episodes, not by the time they aired. And what a tip of the hat to Rob Lowe, that a character that really hasn't been in the show that long. Like you, you kind of miss him. Yeah. I think he felt missing here. Now, I love Ben in this episode because I think it did allow some some airtime and some breathing room for Ben to for us to kind of get to know him a little better. Yeah, yeah. And even though he's clearly not getting the whole little Sebastian thing, uh, he is trying to fit in with the group. He wants to be one of the group. And yeah. I think it was kind of endearing to see that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I particularly love the, um, the, the town hall mural, which is uh, actually one of the main reasons why I scored the producer's cut. Uh, a, li- a little bit yeah, higher, yeah, a quarter yeah. point higher <laughs> of the traveling magician burned at the stake. Not just the traveling magician, uh-huh. but the bunny, the, the rabbit bunny. from the hat. Like that's it, he's burned a little stake as he, well. He's kind of like an anthropomorphic bunny too. Like yeah. not like a real bunny, but like you know Bugs Bunny ish. <laughs> And Which makes it worse. It does make it worse, oh, but it also makes it funnier to see yeah, him tied to the stake. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, Alan, why don't you escort us to episode number one? All right. Well, you've been waiting for the moment. And our number one episode of season three. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Is episode 16, Little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. You know, it all comes full circle is what that tells me. Yeah. And and I'll double down on that. Um, I'm going to hold our score for a second. Mm-hmm. But like the last podcast, mm-hmm. uh, like the last episode, mm-hmm. Harvest Festival, which we chose to break into two podcasts and right. cover in two halves, yep. largely because it was a supersized episode. I think Harvest Festival was like 20, almost 26 minutes. Right. We thought that was a lot. That was. Like, that was a lot to talk about. Yeah. We may be prone to talk a little more and. Some people sometimes. You think? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, so we're like, all right, let's be kind to our viewers and let's uh, make this bite-sized. So we did that and then that'll let us feature some extra interviews. A little bit like we're doing here or just did for Little Sebastian as well. Yeah. The other thing those two have in common in, the theme is Little Sebastian. Yep. One's named after him. One features him about as heavily as you can while he's still alive. That's right. Well, that introduced him. It introduced him. Yeah. Yeah. This episode, say goodbye to him. Yep. And the last thing, as far as the duality, I'll at least mention right now, both episodes written by Dan Gore, directed by Dean Holland. Wow. So, I don't know. I mean, for me, that's uh, that, that's interesting. And I, we'll have to see how those two guys factor into our other highly rated episodes for the rest of the series run. Mm, interesting point. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lil Sebastian first aired on May 19th, 2011. As I mentioned, written by Dan Gore, directed by Dean Holland. We basically had four, count them, folks, four storylines in this one. Holy cow. Uh, I, I'm just going to give you the titles and we'll talk about them real quick. Yep. Uh, Little Sebastian, We Barely Knew You. Yep. Uh, Bensley Gets Busted. Yep. I like that one. Uh, Tommy's Dreams. Yep. Yep. And Tendonitis, The Silent Killer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm still wearing my armband, Mark, by the way. Oh. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so little Sebastian has passed on. The parks department holds a memorial service for him. And as they're preparing for the memorial service, you know, Ben and Leslie, basically, they get caught making out. Right. And then wacky, wacky, wacky stuff ensues. Right. It throws this show into a tailspin. Uh, Ron finds out and gets angry with them. And uh, do I want to mention that? No, actually, I won't. Um, and it throws the whole thing into a tailspin. Right. 
So um, then the B storyline here, you know, Bensley gets busted, is largely about how not only do they get caught by George the janitor, I think who we ultimately named George Jansen. Meet George Jansen. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, they're they're really, really trying to figure out this whole work relationship thing. And they get caught by George. They also ultimately get caught by Ron in this episode as well. I think they particularly are questioning their relationship because they kind of blame themselves for, you know, Ron getting blown up. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. did happen. Um, and the C storyline here, there was, a, this, again, this is a chock full episode. I mm -hmm. think the producer's cut ran almost 29 minutes, if I recall. Yeah. Like yeah. 28, 40 or something like that. Um, Tommy's Dreams. So this is where we get to, we first learn about Entertainment 720. Tom's yep. created the business plan for it. Um, he convinces John Ralphio to, to, to have this be his company because, you know, he is recently flush with cash. Yeah, he did it the old fashioned way. Yeah. He got run over by Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get run over? I got a guy. I got a guy. He's gentle. <laughs> Just a little tap. Um, but, you know, I think as as they work together on producing the Harvest Festival, as they work together on producing the Little Sebastian Memorial, um, Tom realizes this is kind of where he wants to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we see that not only is Tom talented and capable, but he has a true passion for it. Yeah. So like he really likes his Producing job. and, you know, kind of creating these um, moments, these events. Right. Absolutely. And then finally, time tonight is the silent killer. I think, you know, we both agreed this was probably the weakest of the storylines, but still yeah. very funny. Yeah. You know, Chris is so uber health conscious. They've called him, you know, he's got nicknames like, uh, you know, Chris, the microchip Traeger, mm -hmm. the $6 million Traeger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to live to 150 Traeger. Uh, but he gets tendonitis and then the doctor like, you know, basically tells him, yeah, it's because you're old. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't take it well. No, no, no. he really doesn't. Well, Mark, I think in this one, uh, we both agreed we had Amy Poehler as our MVP as well. Yeah, I, I think as with Harvest Festival, she's really, I mean, not to keep on bringing up that phrase, she's really the glue that kind of keeps everything together. I mean, not to take anything away from her extremely funny performance, but she performs that role particularly well. Absolutely. Which is saying a lot in an episode like this, where the full bench was at play here. Right. So 10 little Sebastians from both of us. That's right. That's and that's right. a first and only so far. That's right. That's right. And and very, very deserving, too, as well. I think that this I think this hit all the same notes uh, as Harvest Festival in its own way. And it kind of shored up whatever gaps were there to, to close the seal the deal. I think that's very true. Yeah. I think there were several standout scenes here um, in general. But the one thing that really stood out the most to me, and we talked about this quite a bit in our coverage. So if you haven't heard our coverage of the episode, go listen to it. And sorry for spoiling it for you. But um, <laughs> there was so much, I, I assume it's somewhat unscripted acting going on, but without dialogue. It's all this facial reaction. Yeah. Passing looks and knowing looks and just, it had such an extra big dose of it. It was hard not to like pay like extra attention to it here. I think that's definitely true. And what's even more remarkable about that is that, you know, if you have an episode that's almost freaking 28 minutes or so, you have the room to just let people talk. But yeah. instead, you you not only have a giant episode like that, you cram it full of moments, which, you know, one look is worth a thousand words or whatever they say. So, yep. I mean, holy cow. But yeah, I mean, everybody was just on fire. Yeah. And it wasn't distracting for them to not have that dialogue in those places no. and do it the way they did it. It actually made me appreciate the episode even more. 
how about the scene where Ron busts them and they try to like say, well, you know, we're being careful. And apparently Ben butt dialed Ron while they were like, you know, waggadish maggoty do. And so, you know, he plays a little bit. Hello, of Maggie Thatcher. Oh, my gosh. This is Ronald Reagan. We have a special relationship. All right. All right. And who was it? Which politician had all the tongue? Uh, was was that Thatcher? Uh, was that Eleanor Roosevelt? It was Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, my so God. Tell me you so much tongue before you heard Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, I did not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> May she rest in peace. And maybe maybe most importantly, plot wise, I would say is, is we see Leslie finally taking the first scary step towards being mayor. Yeah. Or, or, or some political future. Or some political future. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. she's approached by basically a think group in Pawnee. I'm sure they have one, you know, right. town of 4,000 people, whatever. Sure. But, you know, whatever. They, they put their power brokers, Mark, and uh, they've identified Leslie, who's not only done the Harvest Festival and basically done it all by herself, but I think she, they think to some large degree, she's also done this little Sebastian Memorial mostly by herself, which is kind of true and not really true. I mean, I think here, we mentioned this in our coverage on the episode, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Tom really does do a pretty big job producing the onstage events at this show. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So she didn't do it all by herself, but nonetheless, this group's very impressed with her and they want to see, you know, or is a political position, something she would consider. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, forget I said that. Yeah. And, and again, uh, how can you not just love the giant cataclysmic fireball that burns Ron's face off. <laughs> I mean, it would have been really sad if he had been like genuinely hurt, of which course. he wasn't. Yes. But I mean, you talk about a man that's known for his facial hair. Yes. Holy cow. And, you know, I can smell it when I watch that scene, Mark. I can smell the burning facial hair. Oh, my God. And what's left is basically a kind of a mustache with a little twist at one end and no eyebrows and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's scenes with Tammy two. Uh, there heck, there's even kind of a scene, a teaser scene with Tammy one, which oh, they left yeah, out. That's our, right. Yeah, kind of our finale teaser. What will happen? Will oh she my be gosh. back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will we see more than her pencil skirt. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Also, just talking about ongoing theme, we we've talked about how there's quite a few episodes in season three that have a, a decent amount of musicality to it, mm. and I think none did, did it better than this episode. Uh, which is part of the reason why I was so willing to give it a 10. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, Mark, any any final thoughts maybe on the season as a whole? Um, tremendously, almost frighteningly strong. I mean, like, it, I, I, I am stunned that our average score was almost literally in Perkins a nine. It was an 8.95. And, and yet every single one of these episodes, it's like, yep, Yep. 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 Like all of that strong. Um, you know, th there's a part of me that genuinely hopes we haven't peaked. I don't mm. think it, I would say that we have exactly, but I agree with you. I would say season three is probably in the top two seasons ranked seasons of the series. I think that's going to be true. I I'd say it's a lot like dishwashing detergent. Um, this one, has extra power scrubbing crystals in it this season does. <laughs> and uh, we got a lot more bang for our buck. I think you you pointed out something too here about, you know, of these of these seven episodes, you know, of, that we put in our top five with two, you know, uh, uh, honorable mentions. Uh, 
half of them were in the second half of the season. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And I mean, and I think the first half was that that's just maybe that's part of it. I think the first half was incredibly strong. And then we thought, well, (laughs) maybe they just had a few good calls. And then the second half doubled down on it and said, yeah, watch this. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. You think that was good. Now watch this. Yeah. And and I think that kind of really starts with Harvest Festival and little Sebastian, you know, two 10.0 ratings for us to close out the season. Yep. Seems fitting. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Mark, you know what? I think that about does it for season three recap. Um, You know, I believe what's going to happen next is we're going to be back and to kick off season four. Oh, man. It's just crazy to think of that we're four seasons. We're starting season four now. I know. I know. But I'm excited. Uh, We'll be back, you know, next week with I'm Leslie Nope, which is episode one of season four. Wow. I can't wait, man. I know. It's going to be terrific. Well, thank you all for listening, uh, obviously, to today's show. But in general, to our podcast, we really appreciate having you as our listeners uh, slash viewers. (laughs) And uh, we never take you for granted. So thank you very much. That's right. All All right. right. Well, thanks, everybody. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.